We used to teach our kids morality through children's stories. I don't know if you realize that or not, but most of the big fairy tales that we're most aware of actually were designed to teach some kind of lesson. So Wizard of Oz, for instance, is a story about going on a difficult journey, and if you have courage and heart and brains and some people you love, you do pretty good on the journey. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood is a story about young girls growing up and growing to grandma's house and that older age, and along the way, there's some wolves along the way, and so you just got to be aware of the wolves. By the way, in the original version, Little Red Riding Hood got eaten by the wolf. I don't know if you know that or not in Grimm's original. That's kind of a bummer, but, but that just happened that way. It's meant to teach something. Well, well, one of the stories that I love, a more modern fairy tale that just teaches so much uh, to me, is the story of Pinocchio. Now, who remembers the story of Pinocchio? Remember the story? Raise your hand and remember Pinocchio. Po- Pinocchio is that story about a little marionette created by Geppetto. And what did he want to do? He wanted to become a real boy. And so this is a journey of what it looks like to become a real boy, to live a life where you're not controlled by anything. There aren't strings on your life. And then there's all kinds of lessons. If you go back and actually read this or watch this story, you're going to see that there's lessons about dreaming big and wishing upon a star. You're going to see that there's lessons about, again, living without strings. There's this whole section where where, uh, he's magically almost turned into a donkey, and, and that's a lesson about being wise, about not doing things that make you lazy or choosing behaviors that are going to make you enslaved and if I can just say it, turn you into an ass. You know, and there's all kinds of, of morals about this. But perhaps the one thing that comes across in the story of Pinocchio more than anything else is what happens whenever Pinocchio tells a lie. What happens when Pinocchio tells a lie? His nose grows, right? And, and it becomes this truth that says that don't be a person who doesn't deal in honesty. Don't be a person who tells a lie because eventually, if you become a person who tells lies, it what? becomes as plain as the nose on your face. And so Pinocchio is a story about becoming real, about becoming authentic, about not being controlled by anything and becoming a real boy, a real person in the most wonderful way. And at the heart of this is this conversation about conscience and particularly this thing of being honest. Let me just ask you straight out, are you an honest person or are you a liar? Now, most of us are going to want to say somewhere in between there. You know, it just depends on the day and, you know, what we're talking about. You know, I tell little lies. They're white lies, you know. But here's the deal. As a, as a follower of Christ, there is a call in our life to have this radical commitment to honesty, to love honesty in the most deep and profound way. Think about the last time you caught somebody in a lie. You just caught someone, and they lied. Maybe it was your kids, maybe it was your parents, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just someone who you worked with, and, and they said something, and it became very clear that they did not do what they thought. How did you feel? Were you angry? Were, were you cynical? Were, did you find yourself just embarrassed for them, and, and just think, what a pathetic thing a person would misrepresent themselves? But let me ask you this time, this, this question. When was the last time you were caught in a lie? How did you feel about yourself? This actually happened to me recently, not that long ago. I'm a, a little embarrassed to say, but there it is. Where we're actually said something wasn't true, and someone called me out, and I got caught on it. It was just one of those deals, oh, man, here it is, me telling a lie. And I remember just being sick about it for a couple of days, and I kept asking myself, am I upset about this because I dealt a lie or because I got caught? 
Is it this embarrassing thing? Is it, here's the deal. I, I, one of the disciplines I've been doing actually throughout the summer is working very hard at being aware of how honest I am. Not, not just not technically telling a lie, but being committed to be a person whose goal is to bring honesty that would set people free into relationships, into conversation, into my own thinking throughout the year. And I have just become aware that in my life, in many, many parts of my life, I've just been dishonest. I'll be in a conversation with someone, and we'll be talking about something difficult, and I'll be really thinking one thing, but what I really want to think is if I can just say this the right thing, maybe this person will go away. Now, maybe that's just me. I'm a pastor. I should be better than that. But maybe you think like that sometimes. Or you're having a person, and the person is trying to justify something that's just not justifiable, but you know that person's not open to being corrected or being challenged on that. She, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, and you just kind of go with it. Or maybe another time where, where you're in an environment where the entire environment is committed, you know, to, you know, something that just isn't true, and you're aware of it, and you got the idea that other people are aware of it, but no one's going to be courageous enough to say the thing that isn't true. Well, well this thing of honesty is, is, is actually a rare commodity in our day and age. People who are committed to just what is the truth. Now, in church... We actually haven't been honest about being honest. Uh, that is to say that, that sometimes church, and historically, maybe you're growing up, church wasn't a place where it was safe to always be honest about some of the things that you were thinking. In fact, sometimes we would actually reward people who weren't honest. Now, now coming into this fall, you know, I, I pray a lot, and I try to listen to God about the things that we're supposed to teach, ask a lot of people, the overseers get involved, the staff get involved, and this year was especially difficult, uh, and, and I was struggling until I came to uh, the Spirit speaking to me through an article I read and just through talking to some people uh, about what some people are honestly saying about their experience with Christianity. And, and these are some of the things that I've actually said in my heart and that other people are saying about just honestly where they're at with their faith. They would say, if I were honest, if I were honest, I don't think my faith is working. That is to say, whatever I'm supposed to be getting from Christianity, I'm not getting it from Christianity. You know, whatever other people are experiencing, I don't seem to be experiencing it. You know what, I've done the things I thought I was supposed to do in Christianity, and then these horrible bad things have happened. Maybe I raised my kids in a certain way, and my kids went this certain way, and and I'm just trying to make sense of that. And so if I were honest, I'm not sure that my faith is working. The other thing is some people might say, if I were honest, I have some serious doubt about these Christian beliefs that we hold. I mean, I, I went to college, I went to school, there's other people who have other ideas, and, and, and I know I'm supposed to ask these questions, are we having these doubts? But you know what, if I were honest, I, I, would, I would say that I have these doubts. We'd also say, if I were honest, I have some pretty big inconsistencies in my life. I have some behaviors, some attitudes, some perspectives, some ways I spend my money, the ways I spend my time that are actually really inconsistent with what I know Christianity is all about. And so there's kind of like, this part of my life is over here and compartmentalized, and this part is over here, and church is kind of over here, it's a Sunday thing, and I have a small group, and I still believe in everything, but, but you know what, there's some pretty big inconsistencies in my life. And you also would say, if I were honest, I really don't have people I feel close to. I got a lot of people I know, but in terms of really getting real with people, someone I could call, someone who might call me out on some of these struggles I'm having it, I just don't know that I have that. And the last one is if I were honesty, I, I'm actually thinking about giving up on church. I mean, I come, and I'm trying to experience it, and I'm wondering what it's all about, and you know what? I, I just don't know what all this means. 
You see, that's the kind of honesty I want to challenge us to dive into these next four or five weeks here at Jacobsville and really throughout the entire fall. First, take a hard look at where we're at and what we've let come into our life. And Because here's the deal. It's been my experience that people don't wake up one day and say, you know, I'm just going to walk away from faith. It's that they let their, their doubts become unmanaged in such a way that they drift and they drift and they drift till one day they're just further away than they ever thought. And it was not that they asked the questions, it's that they ignored the questions. And again, sometimes at church we celebrate this. We tell people, oh, you know what, just when you have those doubts, just push them away. Just ignore them. Don't ask those questions. Pretend they just got to have faith. It's a mystery. You'll understand when you get to heaven. We say things like that as though not managing our, our questions is faith. When perhaps... What real faith looks like is having the courage to ask those questions and see if there are actually real answers for those questions. And you might be surprised when you actually do. You see, what we're struggling with is this thing called dissonance. Dissonance. And and I found a definition of dissonance I really like. I want to share with you. Dissonance is a lack of internal harmony. The dissonance between truth of what people want to believe, especially inconsistency beliefs uh, between the beliefs one holds and between one's actions. Now, cognitive dissonance is a psychological conflict resulting in incongruent beliefs and attitudes held simultaneously. That is to say, you believe things that contradict. You're doing things that are inconsistent. you got one part of your life over here and another part, and you know they don't jump. What that creates is dissonance. And originally, dissonance was, was, a, was a word that had to do with, like, bad sound. So it would be like if we didn't have the amazing sound team that we do, and we really do have an amazing sound team who works so hard, uh, they, if they didn't have the microphone, there'd be that, Wow. That was horrible. And it doesn't matter when that goes on, what the preacher is saying, what the team is singing. It's just, oh, man, make that stop. It's the 4 a.m. baby crying. It's that dissonance. It's that low-grade just anxiety that we carry. And this is the thing. It's that thing that nags us, that question that nags us, that we don't have the courage to, to figure out what is that. It's, it's, it's things we get used to to ignoring. It's questions that we don't ask. It's, it's, it's a, a, a stalemated state that brings and kills, brings, brings confusion and kills clarity in our life. And, and if it's bad enough, you end up finding yourself at a, a point of crisis where you don't know what you believe. And, and that usually hits when life hits, when you really you need your faith because it's been unmanaged, because you, you, you've been confused by it, you find yourself in something of a crisis. Now, now again, we tend to think that just denying our doubts and our questions is faith. And what I want to suggest to you in this series is engaging your questions, engaging your doubts, believing that there's a good God who has good answers for those things is actually what faith looks like. It's all about a commitment to the truth. Listen to a couple verses about what the Bible says about truth. It says this. It says, the Lord detests lying lips, but delights in men who are truthful. That is to say, to be right with God, you need to understand that he is the truth. He defines truth, and so he shows us what truth is, and he delights in truth. And when we, when we say a lie, when we live a lie, when we believe a lie, it alienates us from God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, we read, Therefore, each of us, look at this, must put off, must 
put off falsehood and speak clearly. What that's telling us, listen now, this is really important, is that if you don't intentionally make a choice to get dishonesty out of your life, even if the dishonesty scares you, even being honest scares you to death, you know, if you're not willing to put that off, well, well, then it's not going to happen. Because as we've been saying the last couple of weeks, listen now, this is going to make some of you mad, but it's just the truth, and the evidence is actually overwhelming. Just look at the world. Is that the natural state of humanity is not to be good and noble. The natural state of humanity is to be selfish. And, and that's what makes it so amazing when someone chooses and works and struggles to be good and noble. Well, in that vein, in the same light of that truth, The natural inclination, particularly in such a a broken and sometimes dangerous world, the natural inclination of a person is to lie. Sometimes we lie to get ahead. Sometimes we lie to get control. Sometimes we lie to survive. And maybe you grew up in an environment where you had to survive, and now you're safer, but you still don't know how to break that cycle. Unless you say, you know what, I'm going to put off falsehood. I'm going to identify it. I'm going to call it out. I'm going to choose something else. It's going to have rule in your life. And unless you get honest about your dishonesty, well, then it's going to own you in some way. You're going to have a string. It's going to keep you from being real. It's going to keep you from making progress. Ephesians 4.15 says, rather, speaking the truth in love. Look at this. We are to grow up. See, grown-ups tell the truth. And when they don't tell the truth, they come back around and say, okay, that wasn't the truth. This is the truth. I want to be in line with the truth. You grow up in every way into him who is the head, that is Christ. And so it is a mature thing. It is a grown-up thing to speak the truth. In John 8, 31, this is what Jesus said. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And look at this. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That there's something about the truth that gives you just liberty. It takes the weight off. It says, you know what, I've got doubts. You know what, I'm not sure about this whole church thing. You know what, I, I am isolated and alone. You know what, I'm angry. And, and I just got to be honest about that. I got to find a safe place to be honest about that, even if it scares me, even if it makes me feel bad. Consider John 14, verse 16. Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, this is a reference to Jesus sending the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. I will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it either sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and in you. And so Jesus said, I sent this Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. And so what the Holy Spirit is constantly trying to do is show us truth, remind us truth. Now, sometimes that's reading the Word of God, and we see a truth, or hearing a sermon, or a song. Oh, that's great truth. And I like those truths because they're separate from me. What I don't like is when the Spirit of God says, you know, Paul, you're angry. You know, Paul, you're being selfish there. You know, Paul, you say you're doing this for this reason, but it's really this reason. And I want to deny it. I want to rationalize it. I want to compare myself to other people. And the Spirit of truth said, listen, this is the truth. The the Holy Spirit is like a mirror in our life. And his desire is to grow us up, be mature. Listen, to resolve the dissonance in our life. That that thing in the back of our mind that says, this isn't right. This isn't consistent. This isn't who I want to be. This, This shivering of our spinal cord. It's a miserable place to be when we're living in dishonesty. And when you particularly got a big issue of dishonesty in your life, the Spirit of God is going to make you miserable. Coming to church is going to make you miserable. Some of you at this moment are miserable because of this sermon. You just kind of wish I'd shut up. Why was that funny? What? Anyway, the point is, 
is that the Spirit of God loves you so much, he doesn't want you caught in the lie. On the other hand, we've got this enemy called the devil. He is called the father of lies. The great deceiver, the accuser of the brethren, who delights to bring, listen, the confusion that dishonesty brings. And so he call, he, he would love to bring that. Now, now, here's the big thing I want you to see this week as we get ready to do some serious work over the next couple weeks. The big point I want you to hear this week is simply this, that the key, the key to leading me is being honest with myself, even if that makes me feel bad. So this is a little about discipleship. This, in fact, discipleship is not possible without honesty. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible you read, how much you pray. You should pray, you should read your Bible, I'm all for that, believe me. But you can do that forever, but if you're committed to a lie, well, that's just going to harden you, it's going to make you a Pharisee, you see. So, so this thing, this thing, the key to leading me, the key to me growing, the key to me being a better leader, a better father, a better employer, an employee, a better person, is for me to be honest with myself. Listen now, even if that makes me feel bad. Because there's some things that, you know what, I just can't admit that about myself. I, all right, I, I, if I had to admit I was a selfish person, or I have to admit that, you know what, anger's driving me. If I had to admit that, you know, technically I was right, but the way I did that thing was completely wrong. If I had to get to that level, boy, I just, I would feel horrible about myself. See, there's a great myth in our culture right now. You know what the myth is? Boy, this is important. The big myth is the worst thing you can do in the world is make someone feel bad. And so you should just tell them whatever they want to hear. You should pat them on the back. You should affirm them. Even if they're doing a terrible as long as they leave feeling good, that can make you feel good and everything wonderful. A lot of us parent like that. That at the end of the day, our child will be in a situation where they need to hear something hard. They need to be corrected. They need to feel bad. And we will say the only thing about, I don't want to make them feel bad. I don't want to crush them. Listen, you think you're making them feel bad. Wait till they get out there. Because the world doesn't love them. You do. So you're willing to put up with stuff. They shouldn't. And, so, and so, so this idea that somehow or another we shouldn't do anything to make ourselves feel bad or anything to help ourselves. Listen, there are times we just need to feel bad. Now, now, please hear me about this. Because this is an immature response. You know what? I admit I did this terrible thing. And I admit I looked at it this way. I admit this is a pattern in my life. I'm dishonest. I'm angry. But you know what? It, it, that's just terrible. And I, I should just be horrible. I should be shamed. And I'm just going to beat myself up continually, continually, continually. And I'm going to make this all about shame and degrading myself. Or another response is, yeah, but you know what? I'm kind of a victim in this. I grew up this. I grew up that. I grew up this. I had this, this. This person did this. I'm better than that. Any of those responses to admitting you've got a problem, it's just not going to get you anywhere. At the end of the day, what you do is you come, you know what? This is true about me. And God, you know what? i got to bring this to you. And I'm sorry. I feel terrible about it. I don't want to be this person anymore. Will you help me grow past this? That I could actually leave this behavior, this perspective, this attitude behind in a way that just, you know what? Just, just, just could heal me in the most deep and the most profound way. See, the key to leading me is being honest with myself. But there's a big problem. You know what the big problem is? The hardest person to be honest with is me. The hardest person I have to get a straight answer with is me. Because I'll either totally deny it or I'll go the other way and I'll beat myself up and I'll jang it. But here's the deal. I have an elevated opinion of my opinion. And I really think I have a clear perspective. And there are times in my life where I just need someone to just brutally, honestly say, 
you're off on this. I mean, one of the best things in my life, you should be glad I have this just as your, your pastor and just because you love me, you should be glad and I want this for you, is I got people I can call and I can say, you know what, this happened today and I did this and I felt like this, what do you think? And they'll get quiet on the other end of the phone, they'll look down at their lunch if we're meeting together and they'll just say, well, and sometimes they'll ask me another question, do you do this, do you do this? Yeah, yeah, well, it seems to me like you're angry. Are you angry? Crap, I'm angry. It sounds to me like you responded not in angry, love, but angry. Dang it. You're right. And see, I have, I have these wonderful people in my life, these friends, listen, who love the truth and they love me. That's a friend. And, and the Bible says, trust the wounds of a friend. He says, but a deceitful schemer has lying lips. And listen, flattering lips. And there have been times I've been the guy with flattering lips where I just wanted to make the person happy because I had some other thing or some other agenda. And when you can admit that about yourself, man, you start discovering freedom. That's, by the way, why we do groups. That's why we encourage friendships. That's why we talk about relationships so much because healthy relationships are a form of self-care. They're crucial to discovering true honesty. That's why our recovery groups are so powerful. I don't know if you've ever been, uh, some of you have because you're in recovery, uh, one of the recovery groups, like in AA groups, those folks are honest. And, and one of the coolest things about folks who are in recovery, they call out other people in recovery when they're given a load of BS. Yeah, I'm going to go to the wedding this weekend. I'm going to be at the bar, but it won't be a problem. I just, everybody goes, are you kidding me? You're out of your mind. Blink, 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 bad word, you know, and all this stuff. And they start saying this stuff. You know, oh, sorry, pastor. That's what they say when I'm there, you know. But here's the deal. They have this, and they, and they respect each other because of it. Because they call each other out. And when, when, when men need this, because men get bullheaded, we get our head down, we get a head of steam going on, and we're about to blow up situations. We need people in our life who are saying, you're just off. Be grateful for those ones who love you and love the truth. Now, here's a couple things you just need to know. Some truths about telling the truth. First thing is just to say it. Telling the truth is scary. Very often being honest touches our insecurity. You know what? That made me feel afraid. And I got angry about that. You know what? That thing reminded me of this hurtful thing that happened to me before. I'm insecure in that area. And I just got to admit that. It's amazing when you can just admit stuff, how the power of it goes away. I was in a pastor's group one time, and a bunch of us were talking about what was going on in our church. And this is hard, and this is hard, and this is hard. And then, and then one of the guys said, you know, this is going on in my church. And then the pastor of the largest church there said to us, I was just a young guy at the time. He said, that's really cool. I'm jealous of that. And because he mentioned that he had some jealousy of this other guy, it like diffused the whole room and we all could get honest. And it's just we became friends in the most beautiful, profound way. But telling the truth is scary. You may live in an environment where telling the truth isn't, fa- isn't safe. Maybe your family, maybe your job, maybe your marriage. And so figuring out how to do that takes some wisdom. We're going to talk more about that. Second thing I'd say is telling the truth aligns you with reality. It, res- it, 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 it brings back it let, turns down the dissonance. It comes back and it says, okay, I can be honest about it. And, 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 and because I'm telling the truth, this is what's really going on. And this is what really I'm feeling. And this is really why the actions, you know what, this is really what's behind behavior. And all of a sudden, very confused situations start getting much, much clearer. Third thing I would say is telling the truth is freeing. We just said, Jesus said, I tell, uh, he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see this in the life of a person who is a habitual liar. A person who's just, it's like they don't know how to tell the truth. They're so afraid to tell the truth. And the stress they are under because they can't keep track of who they told what to in what way. It's a horrible way to live. But telling the truth gives freedom. 
telling the truth that we said gives clarity in our life. It helps us understand what we're really angry about, why we're really doing what we're doing, what we really want from the person who we're interacting with. We can just come back and say, okay, God, search me, try me. If we can find community that helps us discover the truth, be honest with ourselves, it is gloriously clarifying. Telling the truth also is an opportunity to grow. In fact, I'd go so far as to say this. Unless you're committed to truth on some level, it's almost impossible for you to grow. I mean, not very much. I mean, if you're answering some of those first questions about, you know what, I don't know sure this Christianity thing is working for me, one of the questions you might just want to come back to is, am I being honest in my life? Am I being honest about how much I'm putting into my Christianity? Am I being honest about what I'm trying with my Christianity? Am I being honest about the attitude that I'm carrying about my pursuit of Christ? And when you get honest about those kinds of things, it can be an opportunity to grow really powerfully. Telling the truth is an art as well. Like I say, I get sometimes it's very complicated, particularly if it's primary relationships. But the Bible says we learn to speak the truth in love. And and one of the principles, I'll just give you one quick principle on this. Talk more about this in weeks to come. But the, the, the principle is simply this. When you're having to tell someone something that's difficult, be hard on the issue and soft on the person. Let me just say that again. Be hard on the issue, but gracious and soft on the person. Because it's one thing to say you're a liar, and another thing to say, you know what, I think you told a lie here. You know, when I'm dealing with particularly younger people, I think you told a lie here, and this is the deal, or I think you got this thing off here, I'll always come back, but I believe better for you. I I don't believe that's who you are. I believe you can rise above that, you know, because that's not who you are, is it? It's not who you want to be. No, that's not who you want to be. Let's talk about how we can do better. And so what you do is you speak life into it. You need to do that with yourself. You know, when you find something in your life, just beat yourself up. Listen, that's not a mature response. You can do better than that. Come back and say, okay, I'm going to learn to grow beyond this thing. Let me just say, too, that telling the truth is necessary for relational trust. You know, this kind of thing that, that you're just not going to understand how you can have trust with in relationship. It's true of your marriage. It's true, by the way, of your kids Let me just chase this for just a minute. Your kids, as parents, are going to lie to you. They are. And some of you got a little, they'll never lie to me. I'm a beautiful little child. Yes, they will. And and part of it is because they're horrible sinners because they came from you. Part of that's the fun part of the reason. Okay, I just say that. It's in the Bible. Deal with it. No, it's all right. I shouldn't. Just like that. My children did to me, too. But part of it is, too, is that sometimes the risk of telling you the truth is just too high. And sometimes the things they're struggling with, they just think if they knew, they would reject me and they wouldn't love me. And of course that's not true. But in their little heads and in their minds and in their teenage, and even all, they just, you know, they're just, they're just maybe trying to survive. And maybe if, if we as parents didn't freak out, they would be more honest about some of the things they would want to be honest about. But that's just part of understanding that thing. So, so relational trust looks like being honest. Sometimes I've had to... My kids have told me something honestly, and I freaked out and over-responded. They had to come back, and I said, you know what? I freaked out, over-responded, and, and I'm sorry. I want to be better than that. Can we talk about it now? And then they give me grace. They give me grace. Kids, you got to give your parents grace too. Another thing I'd say is that telling the truth is more than just not telling a lie. Some of you are really good about this. You would pride yourself on being a truth teller. I always tell the truth. I don't care what people say. I just tell the truth. Well, first of all, you make truth a club, and you're not a safe person when you do that. The second thing is that you can technically tell the truth. I mean, give the exact details that come, but but when you start getting to motivations and heart, where you're really coming from, you know, 
You know, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those three-way deals where two people are mad at each other. You talk to one person, and the one person pretty much makes it sound like that other person did this, and they're the devil, and they worship Satan. They're evil, horrible people. And I was just talking. Then you talk to the other one. Oh, you don't understand. They said this, and they said this. And, and I was just quietly, you know, just I just shared my opinion just like I'm doing with you. And then they get together, and they're both yelling at each other. You see, that's, that's maybe technically telling what the other person did. But the heart, the intent, what really happened is not there. You see, it, it, you see why telling the truth is such a challenge? You see why it's something you've got to put off falsehood and take on truth? You've got to love the truth. You've got to learn the skill of, of, of telling the truth. So that we say, if I were honest, I could say this. But you also see the power in it. It could transfer your, transform your relationship, transform your marriage. It, when you learn the art of, of telling the truth and reflecting back, and, and more than anything else, when you learn to tell yourself the truth, can totally transform the growth of your life. So some of those first questions that we're answering, we can say, you know what? All right, there's some reasons why my growth is stagnated. There's some attitudes that I'm carrying. There's some behaviors that I haven't been doing that I should be doing. There's some things that I could do to become a more healthy and mature person. I want to challenge you this week with a couple commitments. These are some commitments that I want to challenge you to make. The, The first one is, I will not lie to myself even if the truth makes me feel bad. Now, that's a, that's a commitment you're going to make. That's something you're going to strive for. That's wishing upon a star. And what I mean by that is it's the goal. You should always have big, lofty, amazing goals. I'm going to say to myself, I just want to be more honest with myself. I'm going to be honest about my motivations, about my heart, about how things actually played out. I'm going to err on the side of being honest with myself. That, that is one of the key characteristics of a growing, mature person. Second thing is, is I'm going to be the type of person with whom others can be honest. Now, some of you here listen to this whole thing, and you're, you're just all mad because you got people in your life no one's honest with me. I know people, they lie to me all the time. No one tell me the truth. And you haven't asked yourself the question, well, listen, if I've got a pattern of people not telling me the truth, why is that? Am I the kind of person people can tell the truth to? Can people who love me, who love the truth, say difficult things? Or have they learned that if I get a dose of truth from them, I'm going to punish them? I'm going to just be angry. I'm going to be silent. I'm going to attack them. I'm going to go talk to somebody else about it. I'm going to do all the immature things that immature people do when they're confronted with something that makes them feel bad. Instead of being the kind of person who says, okay, I want to take this, I want to receive this, I want to learn from it, I'm going to bring some other people, if I can, permission to ask them if this is true, and you know what, if it's true, I'm going to, I'm going to own it. Say, you're right, and I want to be better than that. See, that's what a mature person does, an adult person does. And the third thing is, is I'm going to strive, I'm going to strive to be honest in my relationships. I'm going to learn how to do that speaking the truth in love. I'm going to quit being the, the person who, who is constantly trying to figure out what people want to hear, And I'm going to find a way in love to be the kind of person that people will seek out because they know that tell them the truth. I I do a lot of coaching for church planners, particularly for pastors of smaller churches and things like that. And there's a handful of them that never call me anymore. I'm a little hard, particularly on church planners. And this is the reason why. They're going into into something super hard. And everybody's encouraging and cheering on, and that's great. But they need someone to tell them, well, this is what it's actually going to be like. And that plan you got is not a great plan. 
this thing's got to be corrected, or this got to be corrected, or you haven't considered this, you got to consider this. And, and I'll, I'll just have like a hour conversation with some of these guys, and I feel like I'm just beating them up, and they'll say, thank you so much. I have so much clarity because, because you, you told me some things that I, I just didn't want to look at. And, and when you have people like that in your life, it becomes a wonderful, wonderful thing. Several challenges for next steps. First is make those commitments that we just talked about. The second one is, if you are at a point where one of the things that, we're going to talk about this in the uh, next couple of weeks, that your crisis is a crisis of faith that I'm just not sure that I believe all the things I'm supposed to believe, we've got this thing called Alpha. And if you haven't checked out Alpha yet, it basically is the place to start. This is what Christianity is based on. This is why we really believe that Jesus actually lived. He actually did the things he said. He actually rose from the dead. And we can put our faith and trust in what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. It's a foundational piece. And if you thought that faith was denying your doubts, that's not faith at all. Faith is looking them square in the eye, like so many great Christians have, finding answers. The second one is I just want to remind you that we've got groups. One group I want to particularly just highlight is a group that I'm leading on Tuesday morning. It's four men. It's called Men of Influence. And and what we're actually going to be doing is we're going to be doing a little bit of Pinocchio work. We're going to talk to men about what it means to grow up, about what it means to become a real person, an authentic person, a person who knows Christ, becomes like Christ, learns how to do things like pray and Use the word of God, certainly, but also we're going to talk about a lot of issues that are just especially important to men, issues of maybe anger and issues of our fears and, and, and just really going to get into those parts of the scripture that challenge men to understand what it means to be a real person. And, of course, we have our small group rally this weekend, you know, and it's an easy deal. You can take your phones out. Uh, you can take your phones out during the last song, during the offering, and text JOIN to 900-900, and you're going to get the list right on your phone, right on your device. You can go back to the small group area back there. They've got the kiosks set up, and we want to help you find a group. We want to help you find a place. You say, I've tried groups before. Try them again. And you might have to go to a group different two, three, four times before you find a group of people, you find those relationships where you can be authentic, you can be honest with people in the most real and profound way. Our devos are back for this series. So we've started writing our devos. You can pick those up at the Connection Center as well. So the challenge this series is to ask ourselves the question, what would I say if I were going to say if I were honest? If I were honest, this is the place I'm at in my spiritual journey. This is the question I have. This is the struggle I have. And these are the things I want to do to become a more complete person. It all begins with being honest with yourself. Let's pray together. Father, the work we're doing is it's really deep end of the pool stuff. Because honesty, especially if we've been dishonest for a while, is scary business. It's, it's, it's heavy lifting. It's, it's, it's unsettling. And yet, Father, it is so good and right and healing. Father God, I just pray you would speak to everyone here, even myself included, that we would have a, a deeper commitment to, to live um, just a commitment to honesty. Father God, if there's something we've been carrying that we haven't been honest about, if there's something in a relationship we haven't been honest about, it, God, I just pray that you just bring us to another level of maturity another level of growth, I would pray for myself and for everyone here that you would make me just a a more humble person who's able to receive correction in such a way that it's safe for people to be honest with me. Father God, I just pray that we would grow in this area. It won't be easy. It'll be kind of messy. But God, just show us what that means. And, And I just believe, Father, you will become more real in our life. Relationships will become more just incredible. The word of God will, will become alive again in our lives, and, and, and prayer will become meaningful, and we'll start seeing a transformation in our lives in ways that are more profound than we could ever understand. So, Father, as we, we take this, we just end by singing this song, which is just an honest declaration 
of our need for you in every part of our life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.